Dogs when they got holes to fix the purpose No good quitting the darts when you got cancer How could I prevent this you ask but know the answer How many decades have passed dumping on the climate Clear fell in the planet of wrecking environments You think we had another planet to go to but we don't We're like a bunch of people lost at sea wrecking our own boat Wait, whoa, what did you say conspiracy agenda? Climate the Dharma's new world order the main offender Look, the main offender is you Burying your little head in the sand Garden CO2 Multinational scum just keep on running the profits From machinery that's cooking the world and won't stop it There's no time for people like you to come to your senses Step back and watch as the revolution commences Are we seriously gonna wait until there's no more fall Before we step on the brakes? We're leaving the way too late And that's a fact Gonna get out on the street and take the power back Gonna wait until there's no North Pole Before we step on the brakes We're leaving it way too late And that's a fact Gonna get down on the street And take the power back People of the future Listen to me We're gonna charge them with mass murder Can't you see? The dirty bastards knew exactly what they were doing They copped a million warnings But they insisted on still polluting Hell, they were barking out orders from the top Like burn all the carbon reserves That we got More than happy to leave your planet trashed And for a brief moment they could make up under the cash That's not a future that I'd like to contemplate I'd rather be part of a mass movement to break the state Emergency action, decarbonise across the globe Nationalise the energy sector, yeah, lock and load Make all of the wind and the solar publicly owned Get it done right and keep prices under control The police and the battens and the media barons Get the barriers, we got to bulldoze to make it happen Ah, we Seriously gonna wait until there's no North Pole Before we step on the brakes We're leaving it way too late And that's a fact Gonna get out on the street and take the power back Are we seriously gonna wait until there's no North Pole Before we step on the brakes We're leaving it way too late And that's a fact Gonna get out on the street and take the power back Good morning. You are listening to The Workers' Hour with Fergal and Bill and the time is 10 past nine. You just heard Climate Strike When Our Time Comes. Uh, in, uh, in, yeah, yeah, you just heard Climate Strike When Our Time Comes uh, just in uh, acknowledgement of um, the great big climate strike that we just had uh, last week. How exciting was that? Um, we are joined to... Oh, yeah, so um, you've... Before that, you heard uh, unless you were listening to Unnecessary Knowledge with Cam and Branko. Thank you very much, uh, as always, to Branko, letting us in and always making sure that we are doing the right 
thing. Um, so before we go any further, I'd just like to acknowledge uh, that we are broadcasting the traditional owners from the land in which we broadcast, the Yuggera and the Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. And we stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognitions, reparations and land rights. Uh, we've got a pretty cool show on today. We're joined by our uh, by our own uh, organisers today from our own union, the Services Union. We have um, Justine Moran. It's from- my rep. And, oh, and it's my union oh, rep. Oh, my union too. Well, yeah, but not in your direct. This this category uh, is my direct. Yeah. 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 All yeah. oh, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, um, we and uh, yeah. So anyway, Justine Moran's going to talk to us about our uh, community and. Uh, well, what community and uh, social work uh, workers in the community and social services sector, um, and then we and probably we'll talk about um, yeah we're going, so be in for a good show uh, anyway. But before all that, and also of course, Bill's going to reveal the scallywag of the week. Um, but before that, we'll talk about uh, First Nations workers' actions. Right. Oh yes. Uh, well, I wanted to give one uh, final. A plug uh, to uh, our comrades out at Deeping Creek, who uh, are wor- they're organising a working bee at this Saturday, ten till four. So uh, head on out. Uh, make sure you take water out there. It's a, it's a, a precious commodity out there. Um, so uh, uh, ten till four, working bee. Um, you know, if you're prepared, take take your gear with you, uh, uh, your working gear, your boots, your high vis. Get out there and lend a hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, um, that's happening this Saturday. Now, also, I wanted to uh, talk about down at Dujab uh, Warong uh, Country, uh, down at the embassy there, where there is uh, some problems arising uh, with the private security guards. Uh, now, already one has been fired for what we allege is racist and fascist comments. It's pretty disgusting. It's uh, absolutely disgraceful yeah. to what some of the things have been saying down yeah, there. Yeah, that is terrible. And and now a replacement... So they got rid of one, and now a replacement turns up with alleged white supremacy mm-hmm. uh, tattoos. Yeah. Well, you can see the photos there, you know, like on the Facebook group that the Jabberung people have been sharing. You can listen to the YouTube record the recordings on YouTube. We can share that on the workers' page of just... And and this is the thing, like, so there's this whole issue of, like, cl- removing, you know, removing people from their land and then cutting down sacred trees, but then at the same time, the people that they've got enforcing the action, and this is the state government down there, are ex- just extreme blatant racism. There's no denying it. So, like, I think, yeah, easily takes it takes away the scallywag of the week. Yeah, well, yes, that's right. Ordinarily, we wait till the end of the show for scallywag of the week. Uh, but because of the extraordinary rant that this security guard went on, which, as Fergal said, is online for all to hear, uh, we've heard it, and um, we're going to give this racist security guard who lost their job for being a racist scallywag. Uh, we give you the uh, scallywag of the week. Yeah, there you go. It's, uh, yeah. Those First Nation, you know, like solidarity with our First Nations comrades, their workers too. And so an attack on one is an attack on all. Too right. 
All right, a, a really good uplift after that. Bring it back up. Yeah, can you play us a really good uplifting I actually, First I, Nations song? I can, actually. This one's a really cool one. People of the Red Sunset, I'm pretty sure from the content of their song, they're from Perth. There may be a language warning, but I reckon it's just one of those punchy songs, talks about the issues, but, you know, it's everything we like. It's about resistance and it's about First Nations people sticking to it and keeping up the fight. All right, guys. We the people of the red
Welcome back to the Workers' Hour with Fergal and Bill, and we are joined by Justine Moran from the Services Union. Hi, boys. Thank you for coming and joining us on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having our union. Really happy to be here. Oh, well, we're very proud to be members of the union as well, and any opportunity like we can have to have services on is always welcome. Oh, thank you. So I guess just to launch straight into it, who can be a member of the Services Union? Oh, look, the Services Union is a really diverse union. We cover a lot of industries. So anyone working in paid employment within um, social welfare and community, that's obviously my yep. little area, uh, but also local government, um, what we call government-owned corporations. So places like... Um, uh, Energy Queensland, Rail, those sorts of things. Um, also our Ports Corporation. Uh, so, yeah, and of course local government, I'm not quite sure if I mentioned that one. So, yeah, anyone in paid employment in those areas. But we also um, have an opportunity for student members. So if you're looking at a career in those industries, we're the union to join. Very proud, very proud to say I myself am a student member, and it's bloody discount, discount as well, ten dollars a year. I, I reckon you it's a great incentive uh, for for unions to have, and and as as a well a full paying member, I, I, I'm more than happy to uh, to subsidise uh, yeah. students coming on and, through. And, I mean, absolutely, and on top of that as well, I mean, I tell you what, you're doing your degree, they'll teach you how to do the job, but they won't. They're not necessarily going to teach you the things you need to look out for when you're doing the job. They're not going to teach about the pay that you should expect and the conditions absolutely you know uh, for a lot of people who've gone straight from um school high school yeah. into university um that practical aspect about having a job and what that looks like and what to expect by being a, a member of the union you can come and talk to us and we can give you some advice about what that might look like um i don't know about you but i wouldn't like to be looking at a contract first up and have absolutely no oh, idea what no. it means so yeah, professional advice is always good. And, of course, if you can get it under your student membership, why not? Heck, yeah. And more so, come and join us at Labor Day and get in the march and listen oh. to some great band music. So we're all active at the Services Union and we, we like to see uh, everyone turn up and have fun. Yep, love it, love it. Well, so I guess, like, get, talking about that, what are some issues? So you cover the community and, what is it, SACS, isn't it? So social and community That's it. Services. We, uh, we like an acronym, <laughs> yeah. as we know, in the union movement. And uh, ours is SACS, so social and community services. Uh, and so basically, my little uh, niche of the world is looking at workers uh, who operate within that area. So it could be members that are working in um, domestic and family violence okay. uh, services. It could be members working in child protection services. It could be members working in a community neighbourhood centre. Um, even so far as when you start moving into, I'm quite sure your listeners would be familiar now with NDIS. Yep. So disability support workers, people who are helping um, some of our most vulnerable um, members of society actually live a full and fulfilling life um, so that's what our, our workers um, do in that area and that's what our members do and we support them. Some very rewarding work but at the same time I could imagine some pretty heavy stuff as well like with the domestic and family violence stuff Absolutely. And, and I guess I guess, it kind of like leads me to this question is like what are some of the issues that you're dealing with work, like that you're helping workers with and that workers in the industry experience? Yeah, so in the social welfare and community um, sector, the biggest issue that they face is job security. Yep. So that might seem a bit strange to some people because we kind of think, well, 
you know, everyone needs a helping hand and especially our most vulnerable. But the issue for our workers is that their industry is predominantly reliant on funding, whether that's from the state government or the federal government. And that funding is ultimately on what we call a contract cycle. Uh, more often than not, they're no longer than three-year contracts and they then have to go through a tendering process to have that contract renewed. And of course, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. So job security is a really big issue um, for the workers in our industry. And on top of that, the other thing that they're looking for is meaningful careers. Yeah. Um, they're looking for the capacity to not just you know work in the job that they do have, but advance their career, but also advance their skill set and their knowledge um, and to share that with other people. So really big issues there. And of course, undoubtedly, we want to see better wages and conditions. Heck yeah, right on. You know, I mean, this is an industry where we've got people who are supporting the most vulnerable. They're working often in crisis and high stress. Yeah. Uh, and yet they're one of the most uh, lowest paid workforces out there, despite having one pay equity. And, and oh, I would hazard to guess, uh, like our comrades who we had on last week from United Voice, where it, all these caring um, uh, uh, type, type jobs are predominantly women. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess what we're seeing more and more is that the union movement itself is changing. The face of the union, the typical union worker, it's changed. Um, we are now looking at a typical union worker being a 40-plus woman, yep. uh, and that's our union, and that's our sex worker. Oh, comrades. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you one, and it's like why we're like more than happy to have the services union and, and, and other you know unions in those similar professions, whether it's nurses, teachers, because that's the face of the union at the moment, Absolutely. and that's the face that... You know, we've got to kind of move, you know, like, I will always love the CFMEU and the militancy and the of the ETU and all that, but we need to realise as well that this is the face of the union. Like, and if we're going to, like, build a strong working class movement, we need to be making sure that the people who are the members and doing the work, which is, like, let's face it, it's women now, yep. are the ones who are being recognised and who are leading it. Look, we um, we love the support of our comrades across all unions. Yep. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, our union's going to be the blazing union yeah, yeah. for the union movement. Um, unless we're all working together, we can't affect change. Yeah, and right so we need, you know, our brothers and sisters in all of our different unions coming together and, and, and making change. For us, though, we are typically what is now emerging as the face of you know a typical union um, member and that is 40 plus women um, predominantly though in our industry for SACS they're low paid um, and they are dealing with a lot of high stress environments as I said so we're constantly working with our membership where yeah. we believe very strongly in our members giving the union the direction in which we need to make change. And so that's why we've embarked on our portable long service yeah, campaign for this, for this industry. Looking forward to that. It's really exciting too. I was thinking we might break up with a song. I was going to play... Um, Love a good song. Oh, Bring yeah. It on. Oh, we're going to put on, I think... Now, I'm sure not all sax workers are doing nine to five. but I'm, Oh, pretty sure they're not. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> which is another thing we need to fight for is regular work and regular hours and all this kind of thing. But, you know, like Dolly Parton, and I think that's kind of... A a bit of a workers' anthem, nine to five. Anyway, I think the sentiment is there. Do you right on, song. right on. But um, after that, we'll come back and I reckon talk about some of this long service, portable long service leave. It's just so exciting what you're doing. Looking forward to it. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five, what 
just to watch him shatter You're just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away On the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn and it's all gonna roll your way Working nine to five Nine to five with Dolly Parton. And you are listening to the Workers Hour with Fergal and Bill. The time is nine twenty-eight. And we are joined with uh, by Justine from the Services Union. Hi. Uh, hello. Hello again. <laughs> um so anyway, yeah, we we're just getting into the portable long service leave campaign and well what what triggered it? So portable long service leave, gee, that's it's a topic we've been talking about for a long time um, at our union. Probably goes back before my even started with the union in two thousand and seven. But essentially, um, when we look at the nature of the industry, and that is, it's you know linked to short term funding contracts. You know, the state government funds employers; they can then run under that contract for say three years, and then the contract ends. More often than not, that that means the employment for the worker employed under that contract ends, yep. and so then they've got to move on either onto another contract or to another employer. So the capacity then to actually get 10 years of service with one employer in the sax industry is really difficult. Um, we've looked at other ways to try and address it, one of them being enterprise bargaining and, you know, really solidifying our union base at workplaces to try and build that and create um, a solidified base that says, hey, we're going to have better conditions for long service leave hasn't necessarily been successful because ultimately the industry is reliant upon government funding. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's the thing as well, because at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's if the government, the industry, the government's paying for the industry, the go- or the, the, what is it, not the government's paying for the industry, but the government's giving these contracts to these companies for workers to do the work. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, me, me and Bill their re- are... Their revenue source is yeah. largely from either state or federal funding. Yeah, that's there's, it. there's a very small amount of um, organisations in the SACS area that have got the capacity to generate their own revenue. Um, so, yeah, predominantly they're reliant upon state and federal funding. Mm. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue that just, you know, perpetuates itself. Um, one of the things when we did look at surveying our members most recently in 2016 and 2017 was um, how many of our members were actually sitting on um, enterprise bargaining agreements to get these better, you know, entitlements to long service leave, like accessing it at seven years instead of ten. Yeah. 
Only 20% of our members were operating under an enterprise bargaining agreement, so 80% are under the award. So that means that they have to do 10 years with one employer to access their long service leave. What our survey also showed us was that over 80% of people who had had 10 years of service in the industry, they hadn't actually accessed long service leave. Wow, yeah. So on average, they were sort of getting about six years with one employer. That means they'll never achieve long service leave with one employer. Even though they're in the industry the whole of their careers or... That's right, that's right. And then when we looked at the total respondents, on average you were looking at a worker doing about three, just over three years with one employer. Um, And again, a lot of that is linked back to the fact that they're on some form of funding contract. And and I can even just imagine as well that what happens, so you've got one company has a contract for X amount of years, at the end of that contract, for whatever reason, the government decides it's going to give it to another company. The workers are just going to basically more or less like go from one to the other, like and, yep. and more or less doing the same work. It's and, and I've even seen it, you know, when I've been unemployed with um, job search agencies and stuff like that. It's the same people. It's the same physical office. It's just a different company now who's running the office, but all the workers are the same. Look, that could that could be the case. Um, ultimately, what we're also seeing um, and get the, inf- the feedback we've had back from members is the nature of the work is very taxing. Um, and yeah. so burnout becomes an issue as well. So quite often people are sort of, you know, questioning within themselves, do I stay at this one employee if I've got the opportunity to do that? Yeah. Because I want to get to my long service leave to be able to have a break. But at the same time, they're fatigued both mentally and physically Um, and so when they do get to take that break they then start to question about whether they should even return to the industry and so they'll move out completely Um, so they're they're the sorts of things that that workers face and having having the portable long service leave as well I guess in the end is good for the industry because it retains those workers with those skills it gives them a reason to come back that's that's exactly it Fergal you know I mean one of the things that there was a study undertaken I think in about 2014 by a company called InSync and they surveyed 21 um, organisations in this space. Um, They were employers who employed maybe uh, under 100 to up to 2,500. And the majority of those respondents, I think about 60% of them, identified that their turnover of staff was one of their highest costs, between 22 and 27%. So when you think about it from the perspective of that these are organisations who are heavily reliant on government funding coming in and they're spending up to 27% of that funding on turning over staff, yeah. of looking for new recruits, of bringing people into the organisation, training them, that's a significant cost that's detracted away from frontline services, yeah. from the people who actually need the support and the help. Um, you know, don't even get me started on the aspect about training for, for the actual work within the within the workplace, but, you know, that's, that's a big issue when you, when you look at it and where are their funding's going. Hey, no, I've got the hard question here. I think I'm, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but how does it how does it work in a practical sense? So I'm working for 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 a, um, community company A. Uh, I've been there for three years, and now I've resigned from there, and now I'm going to community company B. Who who carries the liabilities? So um, I guess the good thing about this is that we aren't actually the first scheme to be yeah. established. So there's already some rules and perimeters that are kind of out there that we could model against. And that's certainly been our union's recommendation through to the state government. Um, so essentially, there's an organisation called QLEAVE that operates in Queensland at the moment. And QLEAVE manages both the contract cleaning um, scheme as well as the Commonwealth scheme for construction. And essentially what happens is those employers um, remit 
on a monthly or quarterly basis um, a certain percentage, like a levy, if you like. It's almost of their, like paying, your, paying into your super. It's like super. That's exactly it, Fergal. It's just like super. So it just becomes, um, I guess, a regular remittance process that as an employer you need to do for the um, the workers in your workplace. Uh, it takes away, I guess, also for some of those employers, the administrative cost and burden of having to manage their long service leave accruals because they would now remit all of that to someone like QLeave. I can't say that that's who it would be because I don't control those things. The state government needs to make some decisions. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the kind of thing that you're looking at. And then there are some cost savings, we believe, to organisations in actually having someone like QLeave come in and manage it. And of course, the overall benefit, which is what Bill was pointing out, is that as the worker, if your employer is remitting to QLeave and at the end of that you know period of employment, you move on to your next workplace, you don't lose your long service leave accrual. Yeah. It's sitting there in the QLeave bank. And then when you finally get to, you know, the, the golden number of whatever oh, it is to access I love it, it, you go to QLeave and you ask them to be able yeah, to access it. T- Ten years is quite a long time. Yeah. But, but uh, as we've talked about, the, you know, these people are going to do 30, 40 years in, the, in, this, in this profession. But five years in, a, in an organisation, you, you, you're probably going, oh, yeah, I've done good things there. It's time for me to move on. That, that can happen because in some of these organisations, um, some of them are actually quite small. So when I say that the study that was done, they looked at, you know, employers with under 100 employees, some organisations might have five. Yeah. And they're running under a certain contract and that contract is, is operating. But if you're there as, say, a support worker... Um, or a person who is managing that particular program, there might not be any career progression for you. So as Bill's pointed out, you might get to a point where you've maximised your potential in that organisation. You're looking for a new challenge. At the moment, the only place for you to go a lot of the times is actually moving into the public sector, and it's very enticing because they're paying about 15% more. And they've got better workplace conditions. So, you know, if we had a portable long service leave scheme um, and a worker who wanted to make that decision and says, you know what, I'm actually going to look at another community organisation that's going to be a bit of a challenge for me, but I'm not going to lose my entitlement, then they're going to stay within the industry. It's funny you should mention that. I was just thinking as well, because all the right-wingers love to bag out the public servants, say, look how much the public servants are getting paid, look how much they're getting paid. It's like, yeah, that's the benchmark. We want right. to all come up to the benchmark. That's and exactly it. this kind of campaigning is just exactly why is that. And I will say, this is why you should always join your union because no one else is doing it except the union movement. That's it, because ultimately we're listening to our members in their workplaces and we're always trying to advance their conditions. Um, we've got our little slogan that we say all the time, which is being part of real change. Hell yeah. But our union means it. We really want to see real change for workers in this industry. Well, so it's, it's got the, the campaign does have, have some uh, good advocates like our our, co- our comrade uh, Grace Grace Absolutely. and um, some others. So uh, uh, how realistic I- I- is it that the service union will be able to uh, achieve uh, public service, le- uh, uh, you know, the portable long service leave? Look, I mean, it's all dependent upon what the state government ends up doing and it all depends upon um, what happens once there's legislation introduced if we get to that point. It's looking very um, possible that we could. So in October last year, there was what they call a consultation um, process on a regulatory impact statement. And basically that was going out to all stakeholders saying, hey, 
do we need a, a portable long service leave scheme in the community um, sector? Yep. And there was an opportunity for all of us to participate that and, and give our views and opinion. And of course, our union was up there with our submission and saying, absolutely, we need one. So from that point on, we've been driving and pushing and trying to encourage the state government as much as possible. Now, We've had commitments um, from Minister Grace um, at our uh, conference uh, about two years ago where she said absolutely they would look into investigating it. She was good to her word and they've done that. Um, she was at our conference just very recently in August uh, because we've been participating in a task force that was set up by Minister Grace to start looking at what a portable long service leave scheme might look like for the social welfare and community sector. Um, there's been a report put forward to the Minister and it's obviously now sitting with the Minister to take, make the next steps. We are very very um, hopeful uh, and we believe that there will be a progression and that we will see um, legislation put before the House, but we need to wait to see what the um, the actual Minister um, progresses. So we're very excited in this space. It's looking extremely good and very positive, um, but it's not one yet. And that means yeah. that we need workers to get behind it because unless the workers are actually out there saying this is what they want and showing yeah, that this is what it. they want, then we won't affect change. That's it. The union's only as strong as its members are active. Absolutely, basically. Fergal. That is the exact case. No, that, this is great. Thanks for coming and talking to us about it. And I can just see all of the impact. Like, it's like, you know, like, let's get it. You know, we've got it's what been in construction industry before you were telling me since what, 1992. That's so correct. it's nothing. It's not it's not even new. It's no. like we know it works. There's two other st there's two other uh, states, a uh, state and a territory that's got it. ACT has had it since 2010, yep. operating well and, and doing well. Uh, and Victoria got theirs this year. So yep. legislation was passed in 2018, <coughs> operational by July this year. So, so. Well, there you go. And it's like I, I'm, look, and I can just imagine like, let's get it here for community services workers. But like being able to then like, uh, you know, like other industries being able to sort of see like, wow, this is the effect that it's having there. And, you know, like the union movement just in general, like taking it up because like, you know, you think about retail workers and hospitality workers and all these other people in all these really insecure professions, like where they're still always working in the same industry, but for different employers. It's a great, it's a great thing. And it's just awesome seeing the services union kind of leading this. Like, I mean, it's essentially, it's leading this campaign at the moment, you know, and it's, it's a um, benchmark. It's not something that we're not used to. We yeah. did that with pay equity. Yeah, um, hell yeah. You know, in 2009 where we saw the Fisher decision in Queensland and that really paved the way for what we saw as a national um, decision around pay equity for social welfare and community workers. Exactly right. And that, like and, and like, kind of as we like was mentioned earlier in the show, it's like if it, you know, you're considering that it's mostly women in these industries, if we're going to talk about closing the gender pay gap, well, that we've got to look at the industries where... That we're, I mean, you know, like the feminised industries where workers are being, not being paid fairly and it's, you know, and women are copying that. And so, like, just as a matter of supporting the members of our class, the greatest class on earth, the working class, you know, we need to sort of, like, do things like pay equity, portable long service leave, all of it. Absolutely. And I guess this is where um, we alluded at the beginning of the show about, you know, you've got um, what is seen as, I guess, as a typical union person being someone yes. who might be a CFMEU member um, versus someone who is working at the services union who might be seen as a more, you know, uh, female, quieter type person. And what we are starting to see is that in our industry, in the social welfare and community area, it's predominantly female yeah. dominated. That is the case. And even when you start to look into managerial positions within that area, most of them, you know, in the 
more higher paid roles tend to be men. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of female uh, led services and we obviously really advocate for that. But they're nowhere near on the rates that you'd see yeah. of like, you know, an Alan Jones or anything yeah. like that, yet managing million dollar budgets. The the issue is though, that unless we as workers in this industry do stick up for what it is that we want and do make our voices heard, and I'm not saying we have to go and be militant, but unless we're being strong about it and being very clear I'm about it. I'm quite happy with being militant. Yeah, but it, it's, it's got to happen because if <laughs> If we don't, then it won't be progressed. And we are seeing as more men are coming into our industry, because this is an industry, if you look at the NDIS, they're um, forecasting that in Queensland alone, they're going to need 90,000 workers, right? Um, They were talking by the end of this year that something like an extra 30,000 coming into the industry. So we are seeing more men come into the industry. And one of the questions that straight away they're asking is, why am I getting paid this? Yeah. Why aren't the conditions as good as what I've seen? Like, they, they're asking those kinds of questions because as women, we do tend to be a little bit more quiet on yeah. those things. We, we put value, we place our value in a, in a different space, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. And well, we need to start to uplift that. As all, oh my gosh, I, I think, we'll, we'll, we'll go out to a song, but like, because we've been, but like, it's just, you. I would love to have you come in again and just have this whole conversation again because it is, it's a real thing. It's like, how is gender used to like, hold back work is in general and again it's because this work is seen as caring work as like work that's kind of like you do for love and all this kind of thing and these are the things that you know like you talk about conditioning of women and all this kind of thing and gender and like you know it's like feminism is very important for the union movement because it it stuffs over it's important for like the the thing men have to get in their head it's good for men too because when it comes to this what we're talking about community sector workers because it's feminised, because women are, you know, like... It, if you're lifting wages and you're putting more disposable income into people's back pockets, ah. it's good for the economy. Um, it, it's very, very simple to, to think of it in that way. No, I love it. Um, anyway, well... Have we, have, we, uh, had, have we done the bit first before we go? Yeah. How can people find out oh, more? That, yes. Thank you so very much for asking. We've got a little website, www.psl.com.au, and if you go through onto that, you'll see that there's a capacity for people to actually register in support of the campaign. Now, obviously, that is workers in the social welfare and community area. Um, We're asking them to register to support the campaign, to provide us with some information about their working history, so that if we are successful in getting a scheme up and running, we can make sure that they're registered once that happens. Um, And, of course, if they're not a member, they can join right there on that particular website. And it's very easy to join. I know I've been through it and uh, uh, quite quite reasonable dues and you can even set it on I, I like I like how it had the function that you can pinpoint what day of the cycle that yeah. you can you can have your payments uh, deducted like I'm on a fortnightly pay so I've had it, it, it deducts out, out the day after my pay if you're monthly you can organize that I like that feature it was a very good one. Oh, thank you yeah, I'll take yeah, that back because yeah. that was certainly something that members had identified that they needed and we we look to try and make that happen the the thing that we also do um for our workers in the social welfare and community area because we recognize that they are you know lower paid than some of our you know members in the local government and um goc area but the the fees are tax deductible that's no different all union fees are tax deductible but we also try to ensure that there are another set of benefits i guess you know um a lot of people don't think about the union until they get in trouble um and so that's that's a great benefit we've got industrial advice there that people can can seek out but 
you know, one of the things that we do use fees for are campaigns like this yep. and championing for change. But when all of that's sort of, you know, happening in the background and you're kind of going, oh, yeah, well, that's all great, but what else am I, you know, going to do with my union fees? There's a whole range of benefits that people can tap into. You know, we have things like free wills, there are discounted legal services, we've got member advantage, union shopper, the collective buying power of the union yeah, movement no, no is, uh, no is fantastic. Yeah, there's no excuse not to buy, not to join. Uh, anyway, so we'll cut out to this one. Uh, I've got some jerks, a million girls. So, wow. Oh, geez. I, and I, there you go. Thank you so perfect, much for coming point. on. And yeah, we, we, we'd love to have you back again. Oh, thank you. I'd love to come back.
we really need a longer show. <laughs> like that was, I, I just could just talk all day to you about this stuff, Justine. It's just amazing. Oh, trust me, I could probably talk all day too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, anyway, you're listening to Fergal and Bill. Uh, joined by Justine on the workers hour the time is 9.50am now before we go any further one thing I want to say and I'm quite proud of is that the services union themselves are quite very proud supporters of the station and of the show having subscribed at, uh, yes we are we're, we're very pleased to have come on board um, see it as a great opportunity and I think that you know where there's a space for workers to actually hear about issues that are important to them then it's important to be involved I love it yeah so proud to have you supporting us you know it's like we're, we're proud when the NUW and the ETU came on board but it's our union and yep. our union's behind us and that just is like the best feeling you can have in the world oh it's good to hear so um but you know for everyone else who's listening uh, the, the unions are supporting 4ZZZ. If you're not a subscriber already, subscribe because it's the only station in Brisbane and only media source outside of social media where you will hear where you workers' voices and, you know, talking about workers' issues. But anyway, Bill, what's... All right, I'll what, have to rush yeah, through a couple of things. Mainly wanted to... Uh, we, we can't go past doing a uh, shout-out to our comrades on the picket line at OI Glass uh, from the ETU AMW, uh, AMWU. So what's that, week 10 now, I think it is? No, um, week 11. Week 11, one day longer, one day stronger, comrades. Stick at it. Uh, well, we, we know you're listening out there and uh, you, you're all, you're always in our thoughts as we are writing this show. Uh, so keep keep up the good work, comrades. Also wanted to do a shout-out now. Here, here, I've written this one like this. As reported by the Workers' Hour on the 30th of July, um, 100% support for the workers at G-Bar at Wollongong who are taking protected action to secure a decent CFMEU enterprise agreement. Uh, these workers uh, remove dead, deadly asbestos and are currently paid barely above award, which is a shame, G-Bar. Your highly skilled workforce deserves more for the work they do. $21 an hour to clean up asbestos. Really, G-Bar should hang their heads in shame. shame. So that was how we reported back in uh, July. But uh, it, that that uh, I wanted to follow up on that because it's a, a mammoth effort now because they're in their ninth week. So a shout-out to CFMEU oh, members. In, yeah, I might. I'll be down in Wollongong. You should pop in, and you, yeah, oh yeah, you would. There will be plenty of photo opportunities Best for you out there, Fergal. Oh. <laughs> so employ. So that's at G Bar, who are fighting for a decent union, EBA. Yeah. One day longer, one day stronger. Of they're going to fight in Wollongong, best city in the world. All the best people come from Wollongong. Oh, all right, or they've lived in it. I also wanted to talk about. Um, uh, over in the UK, I've got a couple of things that I wanted to talk about over there. One of them, now, there, there there's, was a, a News Limited article, of all things, but um, I was talking about how a postie uh, got sacked uh, for being one minute late. So, um, yeah, yeah, there, there's there's more to it, of course. You know, that's just the headline there's there. There's always but, more to it. Yeah, there's always more to it. But but it, it's a bit of a case where the where the um, Royal Mail are going after this, this uh, comrade. Uh, they think that they've got him, but the union are standing strong with him. Touch one. Touch all. That's dead right. So I wanted to highlight that. Now, also, the the one I, I, I really this is this one is deep to my ideology. So I thought I'd I'd, I'd mention it. Now, the the oh. UK Labor Party 
have passed a motion to integrate all private schools into state-run schools. Yay! <laughs> well done, uh, Comrade Cor- is it well, Comrade Corbin. Comrade Corbin. I 100%. There should be no such thing as private schools. Why, why should kids get get a leg up in the world because their parents are rich? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a uh, terrible part of capitalism, and and uh, I do not like private schools. Well, look one at Finland. Like bit. famously, the best education system in the world, and they got they they don't have private schools. They they might they have might have independent schools and stuff like that, but it's all government funded. Every school gets the same funding. Now. Uh, I think we, we've just got a bit of time to say goodbye. I, yeah. I wanted to do another shout-out to... Um, we're looking for the song. We're trying to organise, uh, but the Flangipanis have, have got a brand-new song out. It's not on the hot bin. It's, it's, not, not, it's not there it's not yet, there. but we're working on that. We'll get that done, and we'll be playing that for you next week. Uh, they've also got shows uh, coming up, so go in and check out their Facebook page, uh, uh, Solidarity to our comrades in the Flangipanis. Well, there's also... there's a wanted to give another shout Shout-out to the industrial workers of the world. They're having an event, the History of the IWW in Australia, on uh, Sunday, October 27th at the East Brisbane Bowling Club. Um, that, that I better not go anymore because we just don't have enough time, comrade. Enough time. Can I be really cheeky? Yeah, and, go for um, it. You just gotta, slip you in there cut. while you're yeah. doing shout-outs. Yeah. Um, the Australian Council of Trade Unions is running a training course for um, national first leaders, uh, and I think it's running the 25th of November for that week. Um, I'd certainly encourage um, any First um, Nation, you know, leaders wanting to get involved within the union movement um, to sort of look, get online and have a look at that particular training course. It's here in Brisbane. Um, it'd be a really good opportunity because the more that we have um, Indigenous leaders, you know, participating in the union workforce, then the um, the better opportunities that we have to, to make change in that space as well. Totally. And to like, and again, it's just part of that, you know, putting First Nations people at the front of the movement, all that kind of thing. And, and again, like, and I'm... I'm Totally, again, one of the reasons why I'm just always so proud to be union is that the just like how much solidarity the union movement has shown to First Nations struggles around the place, like Wave Hill, Vincent Langari, yeah. um, Eddie Marbo, you know, supported by his union, the RTBU, uh, Jab Warung down in Victoria, this struggle going on at the moment has the Victorian Trades Hall Council right behind it. 100 members turned up one day when they were the, looking like. Um, they were going to start bulldozing the tree down and, of course, Deebing Creek, you know, like CFMEU, ETU, um, MUA, uh, NTEU, just all the members just rocked up, like, the union movements always There's still, there, like, UV be. members that go out there every yeah. week. There's an AMW member that goes out there regularly every week. Uh, uh, I'm not so regular anymore, so there's a RAFU member that goes out there sporadically, yeah. you know. But well, there's there, a there, there's union member y- as well, yeah, as service, well, yeah, service. And uh, so it, it, it's still there. It's still there. It's uh, um, so and, and another good reason why it's important to to get out there. If you if you've lost connection or yeah. or you haven't even been out there, what a great opportunity go to out go there, out there. You know, take your work boots. And say good day. You'll probably only do half hours work, and and they'll, they'll you know, sit there drinking tea and having sausages. Too right. Anyway, Too right. Well, anyway, I guess what Tom, another great show. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be here next week. I'm going to be in Wollongong. So yeah, we we're, we're working on uh, guests. I, yeah. I think we've got a good guest host. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll announce that a little bit later once it's concreted. Um, so yeah, yeah, looking right. forward to it. Well, I'm going to go out now. This was I wasn't going to play it, but I am going to play it.
I guess this is for all those workers on their portable long service leave where they might like to be on an island in the sun. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? I know. Well, keep up the fight and we're all going to go on a great big holiday. Yeah, yeah.